Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. Today, the message is called The Master's Plan. And you may think this message is about me because my name is Dwayne Masters. And although I do have the coolest last name, it's just, just the way it is. Sorry, you can't have it. It's mine. And uh, to have the last name Masters is pretty awesome. And I actually am a guy with the plan. That is sort of how I operate. I always have a plan about everything. Even when I was young, I remember as, you know, about a 10, 12-year-old kid, we'd go on family vacation, and we'd arrive at whatever the destination is that, that we were arriving at. And I would get out of the car, and I'd say, all right, here's the plan for, for this, this day and for this week while we're in this vacation. And I remember a few weeks ago, I was, I was thinking about that and thinking about how I used to do that to my parents as, as a young child. And I was realizing, you know, if my kids did that to me, I would be like, what? What are you talking about? You don't get to make the plan. I'm the parent. I make the plan. You don't get to have an opinion on this whole thing. And, you know, at the, at the end of the day, my parents didn't do everything that I wanted to do, but they were way more gracious than I would have been because they're actually way nicer than I am. And that's just the reality. But even in Bible college, I was that way. I always had a plan, and I actually drove all of my cr- friends at Bible college crazy because I had a five-year plan. I was 18 years old, and I had a five-year plan. I knew that, that I was going to be in Saskatoon for two years in Bible college, and then I was going to get married that summer, and then I was going to be in Thunder Bay for a year, and then I was going to be in Saskatoon for one more year, and then I was going to be a youth pastor. I had this whole thing mapped out, whole thing planned out, and I drove all my friends crazy because at 18... Who does that? Who has a plan figured out? It's just the way I'm wired. I've always been that way and always had this plan for for everything. But I'm actually obviously not talking about myself today. That's not what this message is about. It's actually about the master, as in him, God, God's plan for us and God's plan for the universe. And I'm hoping that by the end of this message today, that you are actually going to be a bit overwhelmed and a bit, uh, uh, just when you start to recognize the intricacy and the depth and the detail to his plan, because it is so much bigger and so much grander than we could possibly imagine. And just to help, to sort of help get, get a grasp on that and help visualize that a little bit, we're going to talk about a few different things. And first of all, I want to talk about, I want to talk about the solar system. And this is going to be this animation that's going to come up on the screen here of, this, of our current solar system. And this is not even nearly as detailed as it actually is because we have no ability to get a real video footage of this. But you have this incredible intricate system with orbits and rotations and then the moons that are not even on here going around this. And here's what science tells us right now. It tells us that if any of this was out of place or any of this wasn't working the way it's supposed to be and orbiting the way it was in different sizes that life would not be sustainable on earth it is very intricate very specific and when God created the universe when he created our galaxy he put a ton of energy and time into being just so so that it would work so that we could have life on earth and yet we're we're told and we're, we're led to believe that a big bang happened and somehow this just sort of you know, by fluke of nature, all came into being and all in this perfect order and all those kinds of things. And it's, it's mind-blowing to even think that that would be a possibility because it's so intricate and so detailed. It would be literally like saying this. Like imagine your, your 
in Africa somewhere in some unexplored, uncharted area where no one has ever been, as far as you know, and you're sitting there, and this is what you discover. You discover this, this gear work uh, that's going to come up here on your screen, and all of a sudden you see this thing in the middle of nowhere, and because no one has ever been there, you decide, well, clearly some big explosion must have happened, and after millions of years, this, this happened. But we all know that that couldn't be possible. It's too intricate. It's too deep. It's clearly intelligent design. Clearly someone has made this and manufactured it because it all works together too perfectly. And so the same thing is true with our galaxy. But let's, let's bring it home a little bit. Let's talk, about, let's talk about our DNA. And science is also discovering they, you know, more and more about the DNA now as we, get, we have better technology and, and how intricate the DNA is and all of these little details. Uh, and, and it's... It, literally, the code for you is within this DNA. The code for who you are and all the things that make up your body and your person, and it's unique to you. Everyone has different DNA. And what they've discovered is this is basically a computer code, a sophisticated computer code that has all the details about who you are. Now, once again, we're led to believe by, by the people in the world that this just sort of was a fluke of nature, and somehow this just came to being, and this code just happened, and, and all this, these things. But, you know, it's, it's so, so impossible, so unbelievable. It would literally be like you going to some beach that has never been, no one's ever been there before. And, and you look on the beach, and here you see, you see this code written in the sand, and you think, well, it must have been some big storm, and after millions of years, slowly but surely, the, the, the letters just formed in here, just fluke of nature. And of course, it's not, it's not possible. We would look at that, and we know, no, that was clearly intelligently designed. Because it could not happen. It's too intricate, too detailed, too specific. And the same thing is true with our DNA. And, you know, we're going to see in Scripture that it even has more than that. And even, even our lives. See, sometimes, you know, we think God just, God just created the universe and he spun everything up and then went, all right, my job's done, see you later. But clearly, but we know from Scripture that that's not the case. And I want to look at this, this verse in Ephesians because there is an incredibly intricate plan for humanity. And in Ephesians 1 verse 4 to 5 says this. It says, Even before he made the world, God loved us, and he chose us in Christ to be holy and fearless without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Even before the world began, he already had a plan. And he had a plan for you, and he had a plan for me. He had already figured this all out. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when I watch, when I watch movies, my favorite movies to watch are the ones that have, like, really deep plot, plot analogies and plot twists and all that kind of stuff. The kind of movie that you don't know where it's going to land until you get to the end. And each thing, you keep seeing these different pieces of the plot, and they seem to be unrelated, but in the end, they all weave together into one big conclusion, one big ending. And, and for me, those type of movies are the kind of movies that you lie in bed at night thinking it through, and you're going, oh my goodness, now I understand this, and I, now I understand this. Or you watch it two or three times, and every time you watch it, you get new parts about it. And, and I love movies like that. They're my favorite movies to watch. 
And sometimes when I watch a movie like that and I think about it later, I, I just I marvel at the writers of these of these movies. Because I think, how hard would it be? Like sometimes, you know, they put together all of these different plots and all these different storylines and they all mesh together. And we've all seen the movies when they try to do that and fail and you see all these whole plot holes in the movie and it just kind of, it wrecks the movie. But the ones that can put all of these things together actually is a really incredible skill to be able to do that, to be able to, to write that all in and put that all together. And, and I marveled at that a little bit. But then I think about God and what he has done with humanity. And, you know, we know, biblically speaking, that humanity has been probably on the earth between six and 7,000 years. That's, that's been the length of time that we've been around. And God has this incredibly intricate plan. And, you know, he knew, he knew that Adam and Eve were going to mess up. They were going to sin in the garden. Even before he created the world, he knew that. And so he weaved that into the plan. And then he set things in motion with Abraham. And eventually that was going to lead to, to salvation for all of us because of what he called out Abraham. And he knew that David would sin. And he knew that David and Bathsheba would sin and mess up. But even that, he weaved into his plan. And they ended up having a son named Solomon who, who was in the lineage of Jesus. And, and you know, in 700 years before Jesus was even on the earth, Isaiah prophesied about Jesus. And I want to read this passage. And it's Isaiah 53, verse 5. And it says this. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sin. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Now, you, you, you look at this passage, and it pretty accurately describes exactly what happened to Jesus 700 years later. God knew in advance, he had planned out the details. He knew exactly what was going to happen with Jesus. He knew all of these details. And, and, and Isaiah prophesied it 700 years beforehand. And we, this is verifiable. These scriptures would have been around when Jesus was on the earth. This wasn't written later to describe you know, Jesus. Oh, now that we know, we'll write these things in. No, this was written 700 years. And God has this intricate master plan for our lives, for each and every one of us. And when it comes to you and I, it says in Romans 8.28, it says, And we know God causes everything to work, to, get, to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for him. You know, we can't comprehend the master's plan, the complexity of it. This, this should actually blow our mind a little bit. When you take, if you were to take all the supercomputers in the world and put them all together and try to get them to compute one plan with all the variables of, you know, people, the choices people would make and, and what would happen if they did this and what would happen if they did this, there is, all the computers in the world could not compute that. Yet God, in a moment, did that. And he knew the plan. He had a plan. Working in all the details, knowing the variables, knowing the choices that people would make. And he worked out this plan from the beginning of time for the, till the end of time. And it's, it's this amazing thing. And the, to me, the most amazing thing about it is that we actually have a role in the plan. That we have a part to play in his plan. We're not just a bunch of puppets. We're not, you know, in a video game like Fortnite with somebody, you know, God at the control playing the video game and the rest of us are just sitting there doing the things. No, we actually have a part to play. We have things that we get to do as part of it. And what I want to talk about today for the remainder of our time is the three things about, about the master's plan that, that God has for us. And so here, here they are. The first one is that the master's plan includes us. The second one is that the master's plan is influenced by us. And the third is that the master's plan is inimitable. 
which is a super awesome word, and we're going to come to that later. But the first thing we're going to talk about is that the master's plan includes us. And here's, here's the deal. The master is looking for buy-in. He is looking for us to say, I am willing. I want to be a part. I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to be included in your plan. I want to do these different things. And he wants to, to help us do that. He, he, he's looking for people that would facilitate the plan. He's looking to you and I. And, and whether that's through serving others or, or uh, giving or through prayer, there's lots of ways that we can be included in this plan. Lots of things that we can do that are, make us part of the master's plan. And I want to look at this really interesting story in 1 Kings chapter 18. And, uh, and they're in the middle of this drought. And it, it says in 1, 1 Kings 18 verse 1, it says, And later on, in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send the rain. Now, here we see the story. We see clearly God, God's master plan is to send the rain. They've been in three years of drought, and God's plan is to send the rain. And he sends Elijah. He has a job to do, and that's to go tell King Ahab. Go tell him that this is coming, and that's, that's his job. Now, we're going to skip ahead. There's a bunch of other interesting things that happen in that passage, not related to the rains, but they're, they're fun. You should definitely read it. But let's, let's skip ahead to verse 41. And it says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Now, he didn't physically hear it. He is making a faith statement. He is saying, This is what is going to happen because God told me. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his, his knees. And then he said to his servant, Go and look out towards the sea. And the servant went out and looked and returned to Elijah and said, I don't see anything. So here's, the, here's what's happening. I just wanted to help you to, to see this. He prayed for the rain to come, sent out a servant, and there is no rain coming. No clouds in the sky. Nothing. Then it says, seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand raising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds and a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Now I want you to think about this story for a moment because we know what God's plan was for this story. This plan was that the rain was going to come. God made that really clear. But Elijah had a part to play in that plan. And, and he had to pray and actually believe in faith that it would happen. And this is the thing. It's, a, you know, it's an incredible privilege to be able to be used as part of God's plan. The reality is, God didn't need Elijah to do anything. Right? God can do whatever he wants. This was his plan. So God was going to bring the rain either way. And Elijah had a choice. I can either be part of God's plan. I can be included in his plan. Or, or not. And he chose to be included because it's a privilege and honor it, to be able to do these things. And if we don't do it, we miss out. We are the one who loses when we are not part of the plan because it's an incredible thing to be a part of what God is doing. But the challenging part is that oftentimes we actually don't know what the master's plan is. We don't have God speaking to us like Elijah did, where he did to Elijah there and told him, hey, I'm going to send the rain, go and be a part of it. We don't, we don't oftentimes have God making it that clear for us. And so we get frustrated at times and, and wrestling through this whole thing. Well, what is God's plan? And I understand that we don't know lots of the details and many of the details of, of his plan, but I can tell you one thing for sure. 
You, when you do what you know he wants you to do, when you make the choices that you know he wants you to make, you are participating in the master's plan. Every time you make the right choice and every time you're obedient and every time you, 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 you follow through with scripture and the different things, you're actually you are participating in the master's plan. When you show Christ's love to a neighbor, when you, take, when you pray for a struggling coworker or give a hand to someone in need, when we do those things, we are participating in the master's plan. But I, w- I want to poke you a little bit here because... I know that at times we're frustrated because we don't know the master's plan. And I think we have to keep one thing in mind, first of all. We looked at a moment ago at how complicated and how sophisticated and intricate his plan is. And there's a reason, I think, that God doesn't show us his plan many times. Because honestly, I think we would mess it up. We're just not that smart. You know, like you think through the detail and all the intricacy and all these things. And he has got it all planned out. And, and honestly, I think that if he showed it all to us, that we would probably mess it up because we're not, we're not smart enough to walk that, that line. But I do think that he wants to show more and show us more of the details than sometimes than we think. And I, let's just be honest with ourselves here for a moment. How often do we spend time asking God what is his will in, in any given situation? How often do we come when we face these different situations at work or at home or, or these things, do we come and we say, God, what do you want to do in this situation? Help me to know and spend time praying. And honestly, we don't do that, we don't do that enough. And even more than that, when we do do that and when we do spend time praying and asking God for his will, do we take the time to listen and just stop and wait on the Lord and say, God, help me to know you know, help me, lead me, guide me in these things. And I don't think, if we were honest with ourselves, that we do that enough. But here's the other part of this. There's a whole bunch of things that we already know that we're supposed to do because the Bible talks about them. And the Bible tells us some of the things that we're supposed to do and not do. And, and, and we, have, we avoid some of those things. And, and so we already have an instruction manual for some of God's will. And we need to start acting on some of those things. As well, it sort of reminds me of this this woman who was uh, seeing a psychiatrist, and and she'd been seeing the, the, him for a while. And uh, this time she was seeing him. She started to complain about about her situation because her parents were giving her grief about getting married. And and she said, you know, I'm 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 smart. I'm educated. I'm independent. Uh, I I really I don't want a husband. I don't want to get married. Uh, I don't think I need a husband. I'm going to be able to do all these amazing things on my own. And so why would I? Why would I get a husband? And the psychiatrist t- took a few moments and listened to her story and said, well, I-, I actually agree with you. I think you are. I think you're smart and independent and you're no doubt going to achieve great things in life and, and accomplish all kinds of things. But un- undoubtedly, at some point in your life, you're going to have a plan and you're going to set things into motion to something and it's not going to go according to plan and, and uh, it's not going to work out and you're going you're to fail at, at you know, some things that's going to happen. And, and in that moment, when you fail in those things, what are you going to do? Are you going to take the blame for that situation? She said, well, no, of course not. And he looked at her and said, well, that is why you need a husband. <laughs> you can think about that a little bit. All right, so the first thing is the master's plan includes us. The second thing is that the master's plan is influenced by us. And I know that this messes with people a little bit because you think, really? Are you saying 
that I can change God's plan, that I can influence God's plan in things? Well, let's just look at Scripture for a moment. Let's look at two stories, and you can make up your own mind about whether you think that this is what the Bible teaches or not. And so the first story is in John chapter 2, verses 3 to 4. And this is stories about Jesus' mother Mary. And, and we know the story, but let me read it. It says, The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. So what was Jesus saying? He was saying, This is not the plan. This is not the master's plan right now. This is not what I'm supposed to do. This is not my plan. And so I'm not going to do that right now. But we know the story. Jesus' mother basically ignored him and said, go do whatever he said. In other words, he's going to do it. Just, just wait. And so Jesus did what? He, he did it. He, he listened to his mother, right? That's what he did. And he changed his plan and made water turn into wine. And so the master's plan was changed. It was influenced by Mary. Let's look at another passage in Matthew 15, 21 to 28. It says, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon, A Gentile woman who lived there came to him, pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. So here's the first time that Jesus refuses her, refuses to do what she asked him to do. Then his disciples urged her to send him away. Tell, Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all this begging. And then Jesus said to the woman, Lost my place. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. So, okay, this is the second time that she, Jesus refuses her. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Third time that he refuses her. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great, your quest is granted, and her daughter was healed instantly. Now here we have in the story, once again, we know what the plan was. The plan was to minister to the Israelites, and that's it at that time, to, to minister to the Jews, not to the Gentiles. That was the plan, and Jesus made it really clear. Three times she asked, and three times he refused her and said, no, that is not the plan. Yet, in the end, Jesus did it for her. And she influenced the plan. Now, we can see time and time again in Scripture that God takes our mistakes and he weaves them into his plan, right? And and we've all experienced that in our lives. We've experienced times where we have made mistakes. We've made the wrong choices. And God takes them and he weaves them into his plan. But he also takes our requests and weaves them into his plan as well. See, we are allowed to ask God for things, even if we are unsure if it's part of his plan or not. That's okay. We are allowed to do that. We are allowed to ask God. And, and I don't believe that God changes his plan. That's not what I think happens. I think God weaves it into the plan. And he, he has the plan, and he thinks, and, and when requests come in or situations come in, he goes, you know what? I can make that work. I can add that. Plus, he has the advantage of foreknowledge, right? He knows what's going to happen. He knows you're going to make that request. He knows you're going to make that choice. And so he takes those things and weaves them into his plan. I want you to think about something for a minute. Think about Peter and when he said to the blind beggar, get up and walk. And, you know, here it is. There's this blind beggar uh, on, on the street, and he says, get up and walk. Would he have walked 
if Peter had not asked him, if Peter had not said, get up and walk, would the, the blind man walk? Well, the answer is no, of course not. It wouldn't have happened without Peter taking that step. But now here's the question, here's the second question you need to think about. Was that part of God's master plan? Was that part of the plan? Or was he influenced by Peter? You want to know what the answer is? I have no idea. And I actually don't care. <laughs> I really don't. I have no idea whether he w- it was a part of the plan, he was included in the plan, or whether he was inspired by the plan. The result is the same. End result is the same. The, the, the request was answered. The request was given. And he was included. He was a part of it. And we get to be a part of it. And you know what? Who cares which one it is, whether it was a part of the plan, whether we're influencing it, or whether we are, 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 inf- are, are, are the other one that I just forgot influencing it or including us which one it doesn't actually matter sometimes the master's plan includes us and sometimes we influence the plan it's like these these four college students who were out they were out partying all night one night and they stayed out way too late and got got home in the wee hours of the morning and and they realized they had had an exam the next day and uh, so they came up with this plan. How are we going to deal with this? You know, there's no way we're ready to write this exam. So they came to their teacher and they, they put grease on their, on their faces and dirt and came looking all disheveled. And, and they said, you know, here's what happened. We were, we were at a wedding uh, last night and uh, it was out of town. And as we started driving home, one of the tires burst on, on the car. And we spent hours trying to get it off and change it. And we couldn't. And we got filthy doing it. And in the end, we ended up walking, walking home. It took, we just got home a few hours ago. We walked all night to get home. And so we're really not ready to write this exam. And would you consider an extension? And, and the professor thought about it and thought, that seems reasonable. Sure, let me, I'll, give you three, I'll give you three days. So they, they're, they're pleased with themselves, and they go back, and they take three days, and they study, and they get ready. And they're ready this time for the exam. They're ready to write this exam, and uh, they show up three days later, and the teacher says, well, here's what we're going to do, because this is, this is a bit different than normal. So I'm actually going to take you, and I'm going to put you in four different rooms. And they thought that seems reasonable, so they go to the four different rooms, and uh, they get the test. And they're a bit surprised when they get the, the test, the exam, because there's only one question, one multiple-choice question on this exam. And here's what, the que- the, here's what the multiple choices were. They were front driver's side, front passenger side, rear driver's side, rear passenger side. And the question worth 100% was which tire burst on the car. <laughs> See if anyone got that one right. All right, so the master's plan includes us. The master's plan is influenced by us. And here's the last one. The master's plan is inimitable. Now, that is a super awesome word. You just need to say it with me once. Say inimitable. Isn't it, it just sounds like, it's like in the Lion King when they say Mufasa and they go shudder because Mufasa, inimitable. It just, it's very cool to say. You're going to say it later, I promise you. You're going to be in your car just saying it over and over and over again because it's just a fun word to say. Here's what it means. It means incapable of being imitated or copied or surpassing imitation, matchless. And that's what God's plan is. God's plan, we cannot compete. We cannot match God's plan. And, you know, I know that God chooses to include us in his plans. He, chooses, he, he allows us to influence his plans. But we need to remember that God is still God. God is sovereign and that, and that his plan is so far beyond our understanding and so far beyond our plans. We cannot compete. We cannot match our plans to his. And, and sometimes the answer is just no. I want us to look at this passage with Jesus in Luke 
22, verse 42. And this is, Jesus is about to, to go to the cross. He's about to die uh, on the cross for, for you and for me. And, uh, and it says in verse 42, it says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, and he prayed even more fervently. And it was like he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. You know, we look at the story, and Jesus, he actually knew the will of God. He knew God's will. He knew God's plan was for him to go to the cross so that he could, he could take all of our sin on the cross with him. But even he didn't want to do it at the time for obvious reasons because he knew what he was about to go through. And he requested, Lord, would you let this pass? But because he's Jesus and has the right attitude, he said, Lord, but your will, not mine. And so it's not that he didn't want to pass on this. It's not that he didn't want. He, he did want to influence God's plan. He was saying, God, if there's any other way, let's do this another way. But I submit to you. I want to tell you about a story for that what happened to, to us a few weeks ago. And I talked about this a little bit in Backstage Pass uh, last week. And we have this, we've been trying to purchase a property now for, for quite some time and, and um, wrestling through that. And if you're, if you're either doing that or watching the news, you know that it's a challenging season right now to purchase property. Everything, everything is being outbid. The people are paying way too much for things. And, and crazy, it's a crazy market right now. And, and so we've been struggling with this and, and not being able to find anything. And, you know, time after time after time, nothing was working out. And all of a sudden, it felt like something had come together for us. And it felt like there was this piece of property that was the right one. And, and a whole bunch of things lined up. And it seemed like, you know, God was directing us in this, in this place, in this path. And, and it seemed like God was orchestrating it. And, and not only that, I, you know, I was praying. My family was praying. I, my home group was praying. I, my, the pastors here were praying. I had pastors at other churches praying. I had half of Winnipeg praying for this thing. And not really, but there was a lot of people. We were all praying. We were all believing. And I told you earlier that I'm a man with a plan. And that's the way my brain works. And so I had a plan for, for the five years or longer of what this was going to do and how we were going to do what, this, and how it was going to impact this. And, and I had mapped it all out, and, and I had invested a ton of energy in, in prayer and faith and all these things into this plan. And, and I spent everything I could on it in my mind. And, and you know, emotionally I was, and, and mentally I was completely wrapped up in this. And, you know, we were coming up to the time when the offers were due. We're, we're going to be, there's no more offers accepted. And at the, an hour before... There was only one offer, and it was ours. We were the only offer on the table. And it felt to me like God was saying, yep, this is yours. This is what I've, I've arranged this. I've orchestrated This is my plan for you. But in less than an hour before it closed, another person came in, put an offer in it, overbid us, and we were out. And we were done. Just like that. And, you know, we had invested all this time and energy and faith and all these things. And if I were to be honest with you, I put on a really brave face but inside, I was completely discouraged, and I was, I was frustrated, and I was wrestling with this whole thing. And I'm going, God, I thought this was you. I thought you had arranged this. And, and you know, we prayed, and we believed, and all these kinds of things. And, and all these other people were praying, and why, why, why? And, you know, doing the, 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 moping, the moping thing. That's what I was doing. Internally, I was doing that. And after several days of that, I was praying one morning, and... Uh, doing the same thing, and I was, was all discouraged in my, in my prayer time with God, which is actually okay to do, by the way. And I was discouraged, and I was praying. And all of a sudden, I realized, it dawned on me, that 
clearly I don't trust God's plan. Because this was God's plan. God, God's sovereign. God, you know, this is the way it worked out. God could have done whatever he wanted, and he chose it to go this way. And yes, it wasn't what I wanted. And because I'm disappointed and because I'm discouraged, I'm actually not trusting him and his plan, that he has a better plan and something more for me. And it, it's one of those moments when you have with God and you go, wow, that, that really hurt, <laughs> right? Because he, he pointed out something that you thought you were doing okay at. And so I took a few moments and I, I said, okay, God, I give this to you. I'm, I'm good. If this is not your plan, then it's not your plan and the right plan will be the right one and, I, and I'm going to be okay with that. And, uh, you know, I gave it to him and I started to feel better right away. Now, time will tell. And the next time, we'll see if, I, if, I've, still, if I've mastered that or not or, or whatever. But the reality is, God is still God. God is sovereign. And yes, we can do these things. And yes, we can, we, he's including us in his plan. And yes, we can influence his plan. But his plan is inimitable. And, and he, his plan is higher than ours. I want to just close with this one final thought. And, you know, there's the world's most complicated clock. It's in Copenhagen, Copenhagen Town Hall. And, um, and it, it, took more than, it took more than 40 years to, to build this clock. It cost more than a million dollars. It has 10 faces, 15,000 parts. The clock uh, calculates the, the time of day, the days of the week, the months, the years, and the movement of the planets for 2,500 years. There are some pieces on this clock that will not move until 25 centuries have passed. That is a very intricate, detailed clock. And it's the most advanced mechanical clock in the world. But here's what's intriguing about this clock. It actually loses two-fifths of a second every 300 years. Now, it's still pretty darn accurate, but it's still not perfect. And even in all of the, the work that they did, and you take that clock and you look how sophisticated, how intricate it is, but it still pales in comparison to the intricacy of the master's plan. And the things and the details that he has put into your situation alone and your life, not only your life, but the whole world and everybody around you. And you know, this, when we think about the master's plan, it should overwhelm us. We should sit there and be in awe of the detail and the accuracy and all these kinds of things that come to his plan. And here is the most amazing part, because there is no deficiency in his plan. The plan is perfect, it's fully thought out, fully resourced, and everything is, is exactly according to the schematics, exactly according to what he wants to do. And it includes us. And we can influence it, but it is inimitable. And he wants to be, use you to be a part of his plan. Let's stand together. You know, I want, to, I want to give you a minute. There might be some people here uh, in the room or, or watching right now. And, uh, you know, you don't, you, don't have a, you don't have a part in God's plan in your mind. But what you don't realize is that God actually very much has a part for you. And he actually brought you here to this room today on purpose or to online. And that's part of his plan. And he actually is trying to get a hold of you. And he's trying to call you. And he's saying, hey, I, I want to include you in my plan. Would you be willing to have a relationship with me. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And I ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if that's you today and you go, you know what, I don't have a relationship with God, or maybe I used to, but it's been a long time and I've kind of walked a long way away from that. I want to give you a chance to change that. And really simple, you can slip up your hand and as soon as I see it, you can put it back down. If you're online, you can just click the raised hand button. And if that's you today, thanks, I see your hand. Uh, anybody else, you say, yeah, I want to do that. Thanks, I see your hand at the back. Or you say, I want to, it's time. 
it's time. I know that God has been working on me, and I want to make this thing right. I'm just going to give you one last, one last opportunity. All right, here's, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer together, and it's a prayer inviting Jesus into your life and uh, you know, starting this journey with him. And so you're going to repeat after me, and, uh, and, and here we go. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm far from you. But today I want that to change. Today I choose to make you my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to forgive my sins. Come into my heart and forgive me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app.